All right, good morning. It is good to be with you in the house of the Lord, and we've already had a great start. Many thanks to the hunt men. Um, that dog will hunt. And they prepared our breakfast this morning, so let's give them a round of applause. They did a great job. Yeah. Had a good turnout with our men. Great job in the choir. Awesome. And so to kind of tie in Men's Day today, I wanted to kind of do the message around something that we guys kind of can identify with. And so we want to talk about misfire with the miss crossed out and how to do life with all cylinders firing. Now, how many of you have ever had a car where all the cylinders did not fire? Can you slip your hand up? Yeah, several of you guys have. Well, how about that? Well, it happened to us way back when. Everybody say, way back when. Yeah, a long time ago, um, Rebecca was fixing to turn 16, and we needed a car for them. And trust me, those were pretty lean times, and so uh, didn't have many options. But a good friend of mine named Chuck Neal had purchased a 1980, and this would be a 1987, 8, somewhere in there. I'm sorry. 1997, somewhere in there. So, so he had a 1980 Chevrolet, that, uh, Monte Carlo, two-door, uh, soft top. And so he, um, you know, he drove it for a while, and so he gave it to us. And, and it was really cool because, like so many times, the car looked really incredible. Now, some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. That was a good body style. You know, it just was a really cool body style. And this car looked really good. It wasn't perfect, but it looked good. It was good enough for the guys at school when Becca drove it to go, that's a cool-looking car. Okay? But there was a problem. And the problem was the engine. Okay? And isn't that kind of like us? We look so good on the outside, but we have something going on on the inside. Well, that was wrong with Blackie. So Blackie had this thing about burning oil. Um, I know enough about engines, and believe me, I don't know much, okay? Um, but the rings were bad, and so it was burning oil. So two, that meant two things. That meant two things. And you need to know this. If you have a car that's burning oil, there's a couple things you need to know. One, and we're going to talk about it, check the oil, okay? Because if it burns, it's gone, okay? And then secondly, um, you, you need to um, you know, make sure you keep the oil changed and fresh, because uh, that helps that. So, so if you got a car that's burning oil, you need to check the oil. But here's also what happens. Because too much oil, or any oil, because oil is getting into the firing chamber where it's supposed to be two things, air and fuel, oil gets in there. And that's, have you ever seen a car going down the road and it's like blowing white smoke like crazy? Okay, well, that's the problem. There's oil getting into the cylinders, and then boom, you know, you've got this mess. So, so it burns the oil, you know, and then the spark plugs, because it's burning oil, eventually foul out. That means the, the, they're not firing. So we would drive Blackie, and Blackie would be riding down good. Da, 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 da. And all of a sudden, it'd go, puh, puh, puh. Now, not a backfire, it's puh. And what, was, what the puh meant was that that cylinder was no longer firing. And you knew it. You knew it because all of a sudden... Now, Jack, now again, Blackie, because it was a six-cylinder, it wasn't like speedy. It just looked good, okay? And so, so all of a sudden, you had less power than ever before because you're, you're driving down the highway and it feels like a... Like that. And you can feel it. You know the power's down. I mean, it's obvious something is wrong. And that is kind of like our lives, our lives are kind of like that when we have a cylinder that's not firing. We, we do life. We get through life, okay? But we know something is wrong. 
So what we want to do today, thanks to Paul, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, what we want to do is we want to figure out how we can do life not just getting by and not with, not with four out of six cylinders firing or five out of six cylinders firing or seven out of eight. We want to do life, okay, with all cylinders firing. And this just happens to be one of my favorite scriptures. I've referenced it several times. And hopefully um, this will not be the last time you'll hear this scripture, okay? But it's really just very, very powerful. So what we're going to look at first off is routine, routine maintenance, Okay, there's some things that you ought to do that are just routine. And then later on, we're going to talk about a tune-up, and it will be called Tune-Up the Rev-Up. Okay, guys, you got all that? All right, here we go. Let's look at number one. What is routine maintenance number one? Well, in the physical realm of the engine, I already told you is, you've got to be careful to keep your oil changed and keep it checked. Check your oil and change. Now, in, in a good car... It, generally speaking, will not use any oil. I had a, I had a van um, that, that it was a, a 3.1 Chrysler engine, and they'll tell you right there in the manual, this thing's going to burn like a quart of oil every 3,000 miles. So when you go change your oil and the guy says it's quart low, there's a reason for that. But generally speaking, you don't burn oil in an engine, okay? But, but if you have a car that traditionally burns oil, okay, or is losing oil, if you got in your garage and there's a puddle, that is an indication that something is not right. And so it is in our spiritual life. Okay? If we're going through... See, see what we're going to talk about, which is joy in a moment. Okay? That's our, first, that's our first routine maintenance is joy. The thing about joy, it is the lubrication of life. Life does better when it's well lubricated. And joy is the lubrication. Okay? Joy is the lubrication. Now, here's what Paul says. I mean, it's just two words, for goodness sake. Okay? Now, he says it in, in, in um, Ephesians. He says it in, in uh, Philippians. He says it all over because it's a big deal. It's a big deal. But in this, he just uses two words. He simply says, routine maintenance number one, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, rejoice always. Rejoice always. In other words, let me put it in real simple terms. Have joy always. Have joy joy always. Now here's the deal. In our society, okay, then we kind of view joy as an emotional feeling kind of thing. But I want you to know that first off this, there is a huge, now you need to write this down, there's a huge difference between joy and happiness. There's a huge difference between joy and happiness. Now what we tend to do is put them in the same pot. Okay? What we tend to do is mix those two ingredients together and, and have them in the same pot. But here's what I've learned. That because of that, one, it leads to a lot of disappointment. We feel like God's not doing his job. Okay? And, and also there's a lot of disappointment in ourselves because we see yourselves as a failure. So when you mix those two together, and besides that, the Bible just doesn't make sense. I mean, I know the Bible doesn't make sense sometimes. I mean, when Jesus says, if someone slaps you and you turn the other cheek, that doesn't make any sense. You know, when he says, if you want to save your life, you've got to lose it, I know that doesn't make any sense. But this really wouldn't make any sense. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice always. But here's the deal. You know, if we understand that joy is not the same as happiness, it changes everything. Now, I did come across a quote that I read and said, you know what? That's true. Here's what the quote says. Joy 
It's the happiness that doesn't depend on what happens. Isn't that good? Joy is the happiness that doesn't depend on what happens. Because you know and I know in the world, in our, in our lives, when things are going well, we tend to do better. When things are not going well, we tend to do not as well. That's just the way it is. Well, joy is the happiness, the form of happiness, that doesn't depend on what happens. And I put you a little P.S. there. You know, joy depends on God. Joy depends on God. Happiness is completely controlled by your circumstances, okay? And joy comes from God. Now, now I've got to help us. I've got two things. I'm going to throw one up here called secular joy. What does secular joy um, look like? Well, um, if you watch TV at all, then there's a local, an area car dealer, okay, in southern Illinois that runs an ad. And it's so funny, he's ran this ad forever, forever. Um, I remember back when his daughter is now on screen with him, and I remember when it was just him, the owner, who would say this, and then he brought his little girl on, and she'd stand out and go, we're going to send you home happy. Well, now that girl's like 20 years old, okay? But there's the whole point. Their whole deal, the, every commercial ends with them standing in front of the car dealership. Here's dad and here's his daughter, who's now 20 years old. And, and she says, we're going to send you home happy. You remember that? Have you seen that before? Happy. And here's the deal. That is like so true. Until the first dean comes. Until the first dent comes, until the first breakdown comes, I may can identify with this, until the first payment comes, yeah, you know, you're, not, you're just not quite so, so happy there. You know, here's the deal. Here's the deal. You know, I remember a car we had, and um, this is back when we just came back from Germany. I bought a little brown, back then it was Datsun brand, it wasn't Nissan, it was Datsun, a Datsun Sentra. And I thought it was a pretty cool car. You could tell it really was a cheap car. But, you know, even back then, it got 40 miles to the gallon. Quite amazing. Quite amazing. But anyway, Judy did not like that car for, from day one. It, I bought that car for one reason. It was cheap. And I, that's all I could. I mean, that's all we could afford. This is 1980, and I was a sergeant in the Air Force. It wasn't a whole lot there. So anyway, so after about a year of driving that, okay, um, I, I worked with a bunch of officers. Now, let me just tell you about that so you'll know. Officers make more than enlisted people. Okay, did you know that? Officers make more than enlisted people. And so all these officers have all these cool cars. And one day this guy, I think he actually came to the office and said, Hey, I bought a new car. I bought a Subaru GLF. And I said, Oh, let me go look at it. And Brent, I fell in love instantly. I mean, I'll tell you what. I mean, it was just a pretty cool car. Okay, but here's what was so cool about it. Gina, this is how I convinced Gina to buy this car. It looked like a BMW. Okay, so, so we got to drive a car that looked like a BMW. So anyway, so, so we talk her into it, all right? And I am like, zippity-doo-dah, zippity-day. I mean, I was happy. It was great. I had to buy it in Kansas City. We are about two hours from Kansas City, hour and a half from Kansas City. So I went up there all the way to northern Kansas City. I remember on a morning and picked that sucker up, and I was like some kind of, I mean, I look rich, I felt rich. I was actually not, but I felt rich. I mean, it had all these, it had orange dash lights. I mean, still didn't have power windows and stuff back in those days. But I mean, it was loaded. Five-speed manual transmission, tachometer. You get to watch your engine go, woo-wah, woo-wah, woo-wah. It was like totally cool. 
So that day, and by the way, this is the day when we only had one car. <laughs> so that day, um, I drove it home, got home about noon, and we were going to leave and go to Georgia to see, see the family. So for some reason, I do not know why, normally we were right there on 70, and I'd go up on 70 and drive all the way across to St. Louis, all the way down, come through Southern Illinois, where I would future live and did not have a clue, okay, and go on down to Georgia. For some reason, I said to Judy, why don't we go different? Why don't we drive to Springfield, Missouri, and then go down that way and catch the interstate? Oh, she said, that's fine. So, so we get in the car. Now, I'm just a little bit crazy about my cars, okay? And, you know, it's not like they look like the beautiful cars that, that Rod brought. By the way, did you enjoy the cars that Rod brought this morning? Did you see them, suckers? Come on, give them a round of applause. Yeah, come on. I mean, us, you know, if you go around and look around the Mustang and the Roadrunner, you're going to see little puddles. That's not from the rain. That's drool. Okay, that's just men. Men, as we go by, we just drool over. Okay, okay. So, so it wasn't like that. But I was, I was so proud of this car. Okay, and so very, very particular. We're taking the two dogs we had and giving them away. Thank you, Lord, to her mother. Okay, we're finally getting rid of the dogs. Okay, and I had two little kids in the back seat and. And, you know, I am the guy that parks. If I'm going to Sam's Club, I park, in, I park in Walmart in Harrisburg. I mean, I don't want you dinging my car up, okay? So I'm just real particular, okay? And so I start driving. Things were going well. I'm checking all the gauges and stuff. And I get a little bit north of Springfield, Missouri, because we're coming down from Warrensburg, heading south. And I get behind this truck. I didn't pay attention to it, you know. I noticed it was kind of dirty, Okay. So I'm driving along, and after about maybe 10 minutes, I, I kind of do this, you know, and I'm going, what is that on my windshield? I, I'm a little slow, so I went a little bit further, and it's getting thicker. It was a tar truck. And my brand-new white Subaru is now polka-dotted with tar all Oh, yeah, yeah. I said, Judy, I said, back then I wasn't quite so spiritual. And she said, that's right. I remember that. <laughs> okay. I mean, I was so angry. Not to mention the dogs got out of the car and had to go potty and they get back in the dirt on the seat. I was so stinking angry. And I went from being this happy guy that, oh, I've got a new car. I'm so happy to, to just being angry. Well, that's what secular joy is all about. When circumstances are really good, we're going to send you home happy and you're happy. And when things go south, they go south and you're not the same. So for, for, for James to say and for Paul to say, you know, rejoice, Lord, always and count it all joy, it makes no sense unless joy is not an emotion. Biblical joy is not an emotion unless biblical joy is not a feeling. And that's exactly right. Now, I shared this with you twice last year, so this will be the third time you hear this, and I really hope you're going to buy into it, okay? Biblical joy is more than a feeling or an emotion. It is a deep... No, this is so important. It is a deep sense of well-being based on faith in God and trust in His sovereign will. Biblical joy is not an emotional deal. Biblical joy... It's not a feeling deal. It is a deep sense of well-being 
okay, based on your faith in God and the trust in His sovereign will. Now, whoa, whoa, whoa. It doesn't take a, it doesn't take a theologian. It doesn't take a, a seminary graduate to figure something out. All of a sudden, Paul saying rejoice always makes more sense. If he's saying have joy always and joy is defined as a will, a deep sense of well-being and faith in God and trust in his sovereign will, all of a sudden that makes sense. And that's exactly what he's saying. As Christians, okay, as Christians, God calls us to have this deep peace, okay, based on God, I believe in you and God, I trust your sovereign will. I believe in you and I trust your sovereign will. You know, C.S. Lewis said, Joy is the serious business of heaven. Joy is the serious business of heaven. And, and if that's just a, if that's just a well, feel, you know, feel good and emotion, that makes no sense whatsoever. But, okay, if you take that quote and read it like this, Faith in God and trust in His sovereign will is the serious business of heaven. That makes all the sense in the world, doesn't it? All the sense in the world. Faith in God, faith in God, and trust in sovereign will is the serious business of God. And that's so true. Billy Sunday said one time, he said this, you know, if you have no joy, there's a leak in your Christianity somewhere. If you have no joy, there's a leak in your Christianity somewhere. That makes more sense when you read like this. If you have no, tr- no faith in God and trust in His sovereign will, there's a leak in your Christianity somewhere. Doesn't that begin to make sense? So, so when God's Word... Now listen. When God's Word says... If the government said it, if, the, if, if you know, some other person said it, you could write this off. But God said it. God said it. So if God's Word says rejoice always, I want you to trust me always. I want you to have faith in my deep sovereign will. Okay? then that makes sense. And you know what? We, we won't understand. We have a sweet lady from our church, Jill O'Donnell, caring for her son who had been in the hospital, for, her special needs son, who had been in the hospital for three weeks. And one night, has a massive stroke. Never wakes up. She's on life support right now. And that family's going to make that decision to take her off life support probably tomorrow. I want to tell you what your pastor said. I was sharing with someone. I said, this is one of those times, I said, God, I do not know what you're doing. Connor needs his mama bad. I don't know what you're doing. But God, help us to trust you. That song, Good, Good Father, it said, he is perfect in all of his ways. And you need to know he is. You need to know that he is. So check your oil. Check your oil. If, remember, if, you're, if your oil's leaking or if you're burning oil, that's an indication of an internal problem in the engine, okay? And, and spiritually speaking, if, if you're finding your joy level way low, okay, it's either leaking out or you're burning it up, okay, then that's a sign of an internal problem. It's not a circumstance, it's not a circumstance problem. It's a heart problem. It's a heart problem. Routine maintenance. Check your oil. Check your oil. Okay, number two. Routine maintenance number two is pray constantly. Pray constantly or make sure you have gas in your tank. Routine maintenance says keep the fuel in the tank because if you don't put fuel in the tank, you ain't going nowhere. Amen? 
There are two times. Um, Ryan, you remember that time you and I were out on visitation, and we were out there by North America Baptist Church, and, you know, as Ryan does, we're driving along, and I look over, and the gas light's on. And he goes, oh, man, don't worry about that. We got plenty of gas. Remember that? Do you remember this? It was quite, again, we did. Amazingly, we made it. Well, one time I was with, with, uh, with uh, the Reed brother that was the funeral director. Which one is that one? Randy Reed. And we're way down there in the middle of nowhere, uh, Dunn's Chapel. And we're down there, and he goes, oh, my gosh, we forgot to put gas in the hearse. The light is on, and there's not a gas station within 20 miles. Yes, somehow, miraculously, we made it again. Has anybody here ran out of gas? Anybody? Yeah, I have. I remember I was driving my diesel wagon a long time ago and ran out of diesel. How is that possible? I mean, you got this gauge here, you know, and, okay, and then the little light comes on and says, Hey, this is your friendly gas tank. I'm almost empty. Yeah, you got all that going on, and you amazingly run out of gas. How is that possible? Well, you know what? It's probably because we think we can make it the way it is. We think we, we, think we have enough, or, oh, this is so good, or we're just too busy to stop for gas. Just too busy. And we think we'll make it, and we run out. Prayer is the same way. Our routine maintenance is, you know, in our gas tank, but our routine maintenance for our spiritual life is that we need gas in a tank. And guess what prayer is? Prayer is gas in a tank. You've heard over and over again from more preachers than me that, again, the power of the Christian life is the Holy Spirit and prayer. It's prayer. It's through prayer that we function and have the power that we need. Now, prayer does not depend on time, okay? Prayer does not depend on time. Um, you know, we think sometimes that if we don't spend 15 minutes in prayer, let's say, let's pick a low number, 15 minutes in prayer, that somehow it doesn't count. That's not true. Prayer is not Tim on time. Um, it doesn't depend on place. I know Jesus said, go to your private place and pray. And that is like so cool and that is so right. But I want you to understand something. You can pray, okay, anywhere. You can pray driving down the road. You can pray, you know, wherever you want. Now, don't close your eyes, okay? But you, I, I whispered a prayer this morning. Hi, Judy. I love you. So, this morning, um, Jennifer was parked behind my car, so I get my car out. And Jennifer says, oh, you can drive my car. I said, well, okay, that'd be cool. And by the way, her car is exactly like her mother's car. It's a white jet. And so anyway, so uh, I said, oh, I got an idea. Tell you what, I've got the key fob on, this, on your keys, Judy. How about I'll drive your car and you drive Jennifer's car? Okay, good idea. So I'm driving to work and, and my joy level's good. Zippity-doo-dah, zippity-day. Mm. My, oh, my, go have breakfast with the men, go have a men's choir. So I, I turned, Rod, I, I went over the peak. And I was waiting to see if the cars were there, and there they were. The, the Roadrunner and the Mustang. I said, oh, that's, that's, man, this is so good. The men are going to love this. It's going to be great. So I turned the little corner right here on, on the road, and I'm still looking. <laughs> yeah, I forgot to straighten the wheel out. I ran over a parking block. <laughs> I mean, boom, you know. 
And my, and my zippity doo da went zippity bye bye. <laughs> yeah, instantly I was like, on empty, you know. And so anyway, so I, I went in the east off, you know, and ran over it with the back tire, you know. <laughs> and so I parked the car, okay, and I'm saying, oh God, please, please, God. And I'm just telling you the truth. Now listen, I'm that kind of prayer, prayer guy, okay? I mean, I'm really going, God, please. And I get out, Judy, and nothing was hurt. Now, I'm going to have to have Chris check the bottom. I really think it's okay. I want you to know, Judy, believe me, I really think your car is okay. I want you to know that. Okay? But here, I, you know what I started doing? I'm saying, God, thank you so much. You knew I didn't need that today. You knew I didn't need it. And you, I mean, I give God, and I'm not, this is not an illustration any longer. This is a testimony. I give God glory and honor and praise for doing that. And I didn't wait till I got home tonight praying with Judy and say, God, I want to thank you. When I ran over that parking lot day, that didn't damage my car. I started then because I needed to immediately praise my God, who, in my opinion, took care of me this morning. And that's how we need to pray. When, when Paul says, pray, amen. When God says, when Paul says, pray constantly, that's what he means. When you have a need, you pray. When you have a blessing, you pray. When you're thankful for something, you pray. Pray constantly. Pray constantly. Now, now, Jesus said two things about prayer that we need to get. Because in our 20th century, we kind of twist things around, okay? Because again, like we think prayer is how long we pray, how big the words are, you know, what place, you know, those kind of things. Prayer totally depends on our hearts. It's not, it's not like we know all the churchies. You know, you've heard guys pray. Oh, God of the universe. Oh, God, all-powerful. You know, it sounds like, whoa. Like one of those things in the movies, you know, like the big proclamation. That's cool, but if you're counting on that to be your prayer life, it doesn't impress God. In fact, I got proof of that because in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 and 7, you know, Jesus said this. Now, when you pray, it's not if you pray, it's when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Now, hypocrites, in case you don't know, in the Greek, it meant someone who wears the mask. It'd be an actor on stage who is one person and plays another role, okay? So, don't be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. So, what they did had nothing to do with worshiping God and praising God. It had to do with themselves, okay? So, he says, don't be like that, all right? Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. So if we pray like, you know, with these big lofty words trying to impress God, and it's all about, really about us and not Him, congratulations, you got your reward. That's all there is, okay? So Jesus says don't do that, okay? Don't do that. And then He says in verse 7, And when you pray, um, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Prayer does not count the volume of your words. It's your heart. It's your heart. When you are in trouble and you utter, God, help me, that's a beautiful prayer. Amen? It's a powerful prayer. Now, you need, you need to teach this to your kids. You need to teach this. This needs to be, a, this needs to be fabricated in the life, our Christian walk, and our, our, our church life. Okay? Very, 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 very important. So, so pray constantly. Keep gas in your tank. Prayer is the power. And by the way, we talk about prayer probably for a couple hours, or, or at least in breaks anyway. So this is not a, a short sermon on prayer. It's just two things about prayer. Pray constantly, Paul said. Make prayer like breathing. You are the air that I breathe. 
make prayer like breathing. The third routine is this. It's 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in everything. Give thanks in everything. Now, now in our cars, we've already learned we've got to have oil. We have to check the oil level, make sure we got oil, okay? And then we decide we have to have gas in our tank. We call it gas in our tank. We're not going anywhere, okay? Then we need to have water in our radiators. We need to have water in our radiator. What does water in the radiator do? Actually, antifreeze. I mean, if you want to be technical. We need to have coolant. We need to have coolant. In our, you know why? It keeps you from getting hot. How many of y'all have a car overheat? Yeah. Been there. I, I've, I'm with you on these things. I've, I've done all these things, okay? Um, in my case, the, the fan belt broke, and I just, you know, I, had, I drove as far as I could, and then I couldn't. Okay? So whatever causes it, you need to have water in your radiator, and you have to have the engine turning and cooling the water. Okay? So here's the deal. We need, then, we need to give thanks. Um, what gratitude does? Gratitude does a whole bunch. But you know what gratitude will do? It'll keep you from getting hot. You'll find a, a, a gracious person, a generous person, a grateful person is better emotionally. We won't get hot. We'll be more tolerant of people when we're generous. We, we realize that all that God has done for us, and we are more generous in that. We're more forgiving in that. We run cooler. We run cooler. Now, to understand, and boy, again, good, good father just, just saying all about this today. Okay? So, so in order to understand, give thanks and everything, we've got to understand who we're thankful to. I am grateful. That every week, okay, you guys make it possible, and I mean this, for me to have food on my table, to pay the bills, to do life. And I'm thankful to you. But you know I'm ultimately thankful to? God. You need to see that. I know if you work for a company, you'd be grateful that you have a job at that company, but ultimately it's God who's responsible for giving you that job. Okay? The things that we own ultimately come from God. Okay? So it's all about God. Give thanks to everything means be thankful to God in everything. Okay? Now, I want to tell you three things about God you need to know. Number one, God is good. God is good. Um, we have in Psalm 107, one, I used this on a Wednesday night or Sunday night recently. Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Now, He's not good some of the times. He, he's, not on, he's not just good when He gives you what you want. He, he's not good when he's having a good day. And not good when he's having not a good day. God is good. His, if, if God had, I keep saying this, if God had DNA, it would be good. At his core is love and goodness. But God is good. He goes on and says, his faithful love endures forever. His faithful love endures forever. You know, Lisa Turkish, we've all heard, we've all heard God is good. But Lisa Turpus said, you know, God is good, and he's good at being God. God is good, and he's good at being God. Now, now see, now, I, can just, I can just send somebody somewhere going, yeah, yeah, Dwayne, we know that, but do you know it? See, knowing it is believing it. Do you believe that no matter what rolls in your life tomorrow, God is good? God is good. Do you know... You know, when things happen, we don't understand. Do you understand that? And this is only to believers, by the way, in case you haven't figured that out. As a child of God, your father is good. 
That's why, you know, he's a good, good father. That's who he is. That's who he is. And I am loved by him. That's what I am. Amen? I mean, y'all need to be sucking this in like crazy because life is crazy. And you need to know you've got a good father. God is good. But it goes a step further. God is the source of all good things. God is the source of all good things. Listen to what James 1.17 says, okay? Every good and perfect gift, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. So every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above and He doesn't change. You know, you know it's not like, you know, ma'am, you changed your mind about your husband. Husband, you changed your mind about your wife. Uh, parents, you changed your mind about having kids. Okay? Uh, you changed your mind about your career. You changed your mind about this. God's not like that. He doesn't change. He's always the same. Always the same. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. You know, Hebrews 11.6 says, you know, without faith it's impossible to please God. And anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that He is, and He's a rewarder of those who seek Him. Every good. So what I want you to do is your takeaway from that is, now listen, your takeaway from that is, so when something good happens, what should be your response? Well, we already learned to pray constantly, so we say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I am certain, look at me, I am certain we should not go through a day without saying thank you, God. I mean, and I mean, don't wait till now. I mean, just get in the habit of seeing things for what they are, good and perfect gifts from God, and learn to say, thank you, God. So, God is good, and every good thing comes from God. And then what about those things that aren't so good? You know, we live in a broken world. And by the way, in my opinion, it seems to be getting more broke all the time. Our culture is getting more broke all the time. It can be very frustrating. Very frustrating. Well, that's where, and this should be a verse everyone here that's a Bible person has knows, you know. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. Now, what did Paul not say? This is important. What did Paul not say? Paul did not say God says everything is good. What's happening in Jill's life right now is not good. But God's going to bring good. All things work together for good to those who love God who are the called according to His purpose. In this broken world, you are going to have a pile of junk. You're going to pile of stuff that happens that makes no sense. It's hard. It's difficult. It's painful. It hurts. And you know God is good. And every good gift comes down from the Father above, and for all the rest, He brings good into the situation. I don't know what's going to come out of Jill's passing if that's what happens. We're still praying for a miracle. But if it happens, I don't know what the good's going to be. It may be someone coming to know Jesus Christ as Savior. It may be some Christian's faith being stronger. I don't know. I don't know. But the Word promises that every good and perfect gift, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above, and that God can bring good out of every situation. Now, let me give you two quick maintenance tips. Okay? Number one is this. I find joy in everything, every day, not because life is always good, but because God is. Let me read it again. 
I find joy in every day, not because life is always good. And it's not. Okay? But because God is. You serve a good, good father. If you call God father today. And if we knew everything that God knows, if we knew everything that God knows and could see everything he sees, we would come to the same conclusion he does every time. I know. We don't understand. Okay? But look at me. We don't know all God knows. We don't know all God knows. And we can't see everything God sees. But if we trust him, have a deep sense of well-being based on our faith in God and our trust in his sovereign will, then we say, God, we don't see like you see, but we'll trust you. We'll trust you. And, and, and God, we don't know everything you know, but God will trust you. I know, I know. You want a better deal than that, don't you? You want to know everything and understand everything. Well, let me, you know, we are people of faith. And faith never requires me to know everything. It never requires me to know everything. It just requires that I believe him and trust him. Amen. So file that away. It, it may come in handy someday. Put that in your file cabinet of life, and you get down the road somewhere, and you might want to pull that out. And remember the day the pastor said, and the word God says, you know, trust him. You don't have to know everything. Every question doesn't have to be answered. I don't know about the dinosaurs, okay? But I know what the Bible says about creation. So I'll trust that. I'll trust that. All right? There's a song, and I better skip the song. We better get to the last point, Okay? Um, the third thing, after, after you got the, the three routine maintenance, and then you got, then you got the, um, the idea and the concept of all of this being in God's control and thing. The last one is, you can trust the manufacturer. Here's what Paul said. For this, being joyful, praying always, thanking God, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Isn't that cool? Because don't we go through life going, man, I wish I knew God's will. Well, yeah, it's, in, it's individual for every person, okay? But we know these three things are. God wants us to be a joyful people. He wants us to be a prayerful people. He wants to be a thankful people. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. This is big. This is big. Okay. When you buy a car, you should buy from a manufacturer that you can trust. Now, some of you are Mopar people, Chrysler. Some of you guys are Ford. Some of you are Chevrolet. Okay. Some of you are Fiat. Bad choice. Bad choice. Okay. Um, but anyway, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, you need to have a manufacturer you can trust. I Googled that, by the way. I always like to Google stuff. It's kind of like my candy for the sermon preparation. And, you know, Chevrolet says this, and Ford says this, and Chrysler says this. You know, they're all big and tough and number one, all right? So you need to be able to trust the manufacturer. And you need to find a dealership you can trust where you go to buy your car. You know, you need to be able to trust the dealer that you buy the car from. And then you need to trust the salesman. And you need to find the person that you can trust. Okay, when you walk into the dealership, it should somehow be a trust thing that you build into. And then lastly, you need a good service department. You, know, you need a, a manufacturer you can believe in, a dealership, a salesman, but you need to know there's going to be something after the sale. That, you know, you're going to 
you're going to be able to trust the service department. But I want you to know God is all these. I don't even try to break them down. But I'm going to tell you this. I'll close with this part right here. You can trust God's service department. He's going to take care of you after the sale. God doesn't, God doesn't sit there and go, God doesn't sit there and go, well, welcome to the family, Dwayne. Good luck. Hope you make it. Oh, no. He gives me the Holy Spirit. Come on now. He gives me the Holy Spirit. He gives me a counselor and a guide and a source of strength and a source of peace. And he comes and lives within me. He gives me his holy word. The best owner manual ever written is the word of God. It's full of information and never has to be updated because it's living. Because he's living. And of course, he gives us himself as father and his son, as redeemer and savior and Lord and king of kings and all those things we mentioned last week. So you've got to be able to do that. And you need to understand that God's will for you, you can trust it. You can trust it. Um, Jeremiah 29, 11. Now, I want you to understand, Jeremiah 29, 11 is written to the nation of Israel. Okay? And, um, and that nation of Israel, uh, they, uh, they had disobeyed, and they were in Babylon for 70 years. Okay? And God starts telling them, okay, I haven't forgotten you. I haven't forgotten you. I've got a plan for you. Okay? Now... It says, is there a car slide there, Patty? Okay. All right. Okay, well, let me tell you what you're going to get. Okay? You're going to get this. There's a picture, and on top was a piece of junk. Okay? On a trailer. Okay? And underneath was what resulted in that junk after the owner rebuilt it. Now, I've had the privilege, again, of watching Rod. Uh, Rod comes up with the concept and the ideas, and he's got an amazing crew of men that work out there rebuilding these cars. And when you see that out there, it's hard for you to imagine, okay, what it was. Well, what it was mostly was a pile of junk. Rarely does a car come in that's really redeemable, okay, in the sense that don't need to do much. Rod does what we call frame-off uh, renovations. He tears it down to the frame and rebuilds the car. Okay? I want you to understand something, that God takes us when we're a pile of junk and makes us new. God takes us when we're a pile of junk and makes us new. And here's the verse that was on that slide. For I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. You can trust the manufacturer. You can trust what God the Father does. You can trust Him. So as we journey, as we journey through life, okay, then we understand that there's some routine maintenance that we need to do as believers. And church is part of this. There's a lot that goes into this routine maintenance thing. Church is part of that. Okay? And then there's then there's the idea and the concept that God can be trusted in all things. You know, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 is a verse we use all the time. And he says, you know, do not be conformed to this age. Don't be pressured, okay, in this age. You know, there's two kinds of car owners. Those that do and those that don't. There are some people that will get a car, whether new or used, 
They'll never check the oil. They'll never change the oil. And they'll laugh and say, Ha-ha, I haven't changed my, my oil in 20,000 miles. Ha-ha, it dies. And they wonder why the car dies. And there's people that change it, and it runs. It does. You have to be careful what pressures you give into. The world out there today is more anti-God and more anti-Jesus than ever before. And you're going to be pressured. You remember back in the old days? The old days like, you know, 40 years ago, people would go, don't push your religion on me. Now we find a counter as they become more aggressive and on the offensive. We find ourselves saying, don't push your culture on me. It's totally flip-flopped. Flip-flopped. So don't give in to the pressures of the world. Be transformed, remade, by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good and pleasing and the perfect will of God. So it's just, it's just huge. It's just huge. So what are you going to do? I'm not worried about your car too much. I'm worried about your heart and your life. Are you willing to follow the routine maintenance? And that's just three and there's a lot more. Are you willing to really trust God and submit to God and, and believe Him? And trust Him. You know, the inner sense of well-being that comes from faith in God and trusting in His sovereign will. Are you willing to pray constantly? Are you willing to get in the habit of praying all the time? Thanking God. Crying out to God. And believing God. Are you willing to be grateful? Are you willing to lubricate your life with the, with the generosity that comes? Filling your radiator full of water. So to help you stay cool. Stay cool. Are you willing to trust the manufacturer? I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I, I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's what God has for you. Now, if you're here today and you've never trusted God, you, you know, you're hearing this and say, well, that's really cool, Dwayne, how you took engines and tied it all in, you know, to keep the men interested. That's really cool, Dwayne. Better, it's better than cool. Because at the heart of the story is this. You're talking about man's man. A guy named Jesus who was born on Christmas lived 33 years and willingly allowed himself to be nailed to a Roman cross. For one reason, because he loved us and paid the price for our sins. That's incredible. So, so I want to tell you that much to know this. Brent's going to be standing down front here in just a moment. Man, have you come out and say, hey, Brent, I want to know about that guy. I don't know about that guy. I want to know about a guy who loved me so much he died for me, cared so much he died for me, okay? And then I want to be able to live life like the pastor talked about today. I want to live life with all cylinders firing. All cylinders firing. We'd love to tell you about it. And guys, a chunk of us know Jesus Christ. Man, live that way. That's why Jesus died for you. You know, in biblical terms, he says, I come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Or, I've come that you may have life with all cylinders. All right. Let's pray together. Oh, thank you, Father, so very much for loving us like you do. Thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Thank you for caring. Father, teach us. Lord, I'm so glad you gave us your word, a book that can be trusted. The living word of God. Not another book ever like it. And I want to pray, Father, that we will learn to rejoice, to pray, to be thankful, and to trust you. To trust you. 
I want to pray, Father, that there's someone here who's never asked Jesus in their lives and their sins forgiven, that today might be that day. And then, Father, I also want to pray this. I want to pray for all of us who know Jesus to choose to live our lives as you want with all cylinders fired. Love you, Jesus, and pray this in your precious name.